Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Bornbro, joined again by Rachel Jameson. Glad you're joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about um, food preservation methods, both past and present. We're just going to do like a general overview, maybe just talk about what the methods are, maybe give you some uh, resources that you can look into them uh, a little deeper, because I think there's some uh, pretty amazing things that people used to do that we don't do anymore. And uh, and there's still a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of modern techniques that I don't even do that I was always kind of reading up on some things in the past. You know, it's like I like to learn how to do this and this and this. But the old things, I think, still work. Um, I just don't. We have safer ways of doing things. When you say that, Rachel? Yes, definitely. I mean, yeah. we have um, the modern techniques are definitely uh, more streamlined to yeah. always have a good outcome. Yes. Yes. And a safe outcome. Yeah. Well, we'll jump into that in a minute, but first let's just go ahead and talk a little bit about what happened on our homesteads this week. How, what'd you get done? <laughs> I imagine a lot. Oh, actually it feels like I haven't gotten my, it feels like it's about the same thing, but we finally have ripe tomatoes, which oh. we haven't had any ripe. So this, this really? week was our first ripe tomato. I got mine planted kind of late and then we are zone five. So yeah, I tend to forget you guys are yeah. a little bit behind us. I've had them for several weeks now. Yeah. I, I picked a really gigantic one today, a big old beefsteak that was just huge. It looked like three nice. tomatoes merged together or something. It was gigantic. <laughs> Yeah. And the other thing I'm excited about is I pick, I pulled some of my potatoes mostly because I was tired of tripping on them because I have my garden and um, I'm trying to decide which is the best potato to save for seed, not the potato, but I actually am going to save the potato seed that mm-hmm. grows off the top. Oh yeah. Yeah. And experiment with that a little bit because my mentor, um, it wanted to have some seeds too. So yeah, mm. I, I'm, Pulled some potatoes, but sadly, I also have disease issues. So, oh, really, <laughs> yeah, I have something. I should post a picture in the Facebook group, but um, I think it's poop. <laughs> oh. Really exciting, you know. But when I pulled my cauliflower, I have little gooey. It's hard to say because it rained so much, but I think it was poop, and then it got rained on. Um, and then my cabbage has. I think this is actually a moisture disease. We mm. went from being super dry to getting three and a half inches of rain in a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I do water from overhead. So sometimes I have issues. So yeah, 
I think I have some disease and pest pressure in my brassicas right now, sadly. Yeah, that don't sound fun. I I was out in the garden today and I kind of, I tried something a little different with my cabbage. And a while back, I, I just harvested them different. Generally in the past, I've always just, because I haven't had that much, I've always just kind of cut them off the base, took the whole thing, just got it out of the ground, maybe playing something else. Well, this year I kind of pushed the leaves down. The looser leaves are right away from the cabbage. They're down, cut the stalk, left it all laying there. And this was, I harvested, I don't know, maybe two and a half, three weeks ago. And uh, because I had, you know, I, I knew that you could actually get regrowth on cabbage. Okay. And I, I wasn't sure I'd never done it before. And I went out there today and sure enough, there's like three small heads on oh. each cabbage plant. And I guess they come out a lot smaller, but they right. you do, you do get a regrowth of like smaller so cabbage broccoli, heads. Then. Cause I do get that with broccoli, but they're just, yeah, it's, it's like kind of like tiny. that. Yeah. It's kind of the same deal. And I had never actually seen it or uh, done it before. That's and cool. I wanted to try it. And sure enough, I do. I have some little tiny have cabbage heads. Have you tasted heads. any of those? No, they're, they're, they're pretty okay. small. Yeah. They're still pretty loose. They haven't really packed up okay. tight yet, but I guess they're a little different from what I understand. They I taste wonder. a little different, but uh yeah, good. I guess some people say they actually prefer that that second growth of cabbage. Really? I wonder yeah, if it's so. more like a Brussels sprout because it's I so don't tiny. know. Yeah, it ain't real small. I mean, it's fist size. Oh, I mean, okay. It's, I mean, as far as the what I can see so far, I mean, it's it's decent size. Um, but I'm excited to see how that turns out. And when well, it's that's always tiny. fun when you get more one more than one uh, crop out of the same plant. Yeah, yeah. I, it's something I never. I didn't even know it at one point. I was and I read it and I was like, well, that's pretty neat. I'm going to try that and see if that works. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, just the way you, you have to harvest it a certain way, though, to, to get that to happen. Because, oh, of course, if you okay. take too many of the leaves or anything, it won't grow back. You can't just okay. cut it off the stalk. It won't that come back from sense. the ground. It has to like come about the around the stalk after you pull the head where it right there. So it's a little different. Okay. But, yeah, I butchered some quail yesterday or a couple days ago, rather. And uh, so are you few, having few your quail? So you said you only have like 12? In the tractor, yeah, oh, okay. I, I have ten. I was, I, I was keeping ten in the tractor, just moving them around. Okay. I have, I have some in cages also. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering because you, I didn't know if you were doing them for eggs or if you were breeding them or if you were constantly getting. Yeah, I do both. Back. I have. I'll let them go for a year, probably. You know, uh, giving us eggs, and then I'll go ahead and hatch a new batch, and I'll replace those and pull them in and butcher them. And I really, really want to do it. I just haven't pulled the trigger yet. It, it's. <laughs> I mean, I love having animals on the homestead, but it does keep you from doing a lot of other things. Like we, we have a right. camper at a campground that I don't get to go <laughs> too often. My wife will go without me a lot of times because I got to okay. be here to feed and water animals. And, you know, if you can't find somebody to do Did it, you automate anything. You could, but like I said, because I have them in a tractor and things, I'm moving them around. I'm doing things. They they keep you a lot busier than a garden. You could definitely go a few days without a garden being around for that. But right, uh, that's why we don't have chickens right now. Yeah, it'll definitely because somebody somebody needs to be here morning and night. Mm -hmm. Yep, and we're busy and we're working on the other homestead. So yeah, that's I get it. I get it. Yep, it definitely does change things for you. But yeah, I mean, it's been productive, I would say. I mean, getting lots of tomatoes, lots of too many peppers. I can't believe all the peppers I'm getting. Yeah, I have an opposite problem. Be- and I think it's because I have glass jars. So I'm thinking about putting it over my hot, hot peppers. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we have cold nights. Yeah. We're ha- we haven't, normally we don't have cold nights, but for some reason, and this summer's been really weird and we have really cold nights like in the 40s and 50s mm. 
And I think the peppers don't like that cold. Yeah, probably not. The peppers yeah. that are doing best for me are the banana peppers. I've just got hundreds of those <laughs> things. I've, I have canned so many of them that I don't want to can anymore. I'm dehydrated a bunch and I just give I them planted, away. <laughs> I planted a bunch hoping we could make pickled peppers. And yeah, uh, I pickled a bunch. We yeah. have, I have picked three banana peppers oh, and I wow. think I planted like well, 10 banana pepper plants. It's kind of funny. I only planted, I think I got six banana paper, pepper plants and I didn't get, I was getting just one or two here for a few weeks and like about three weeks ago. So again, you might just be a little bit behind me and you might be getting maybe, get blasted maybe. because about three weeks ago they just blew up and now I'm getting, I mean, I could go out there and pick 50 right now. I mean, there's just okay. so many and it's only six, I'm hoping. six or seven plants. And then yeah. I have, I think I told you this last time I have this, this special heirloom seed that I got at Monticello. Mm from thomas jefferson's monticello it was a seed that he yeah. grew and i think they're called texas bird peppers and they're supposed to be quite hot but i think they like heat yeah and they're just super tiny still so i'm thinking about putting glass i have one gallon glass jars so i'm thinking about putting glass jars over them to oh, get yeah. them warm yeah that might might help yeah if you got some also knowing myself i'll probably cook them and <laughs> forget to take it off in the morning yes. yeah that could happen that would be me too i i, I guarantee you i got so much going on that i forget what i right if i don't write it down or even put a reminder in my phone i might just forget it so i actually carry around a pad of paper in my back pocket all day long and write stuff in it i use the little notepad thing on my phone and i'm all the time just typing out little notes to myself and i look at it constantly thinking okay what did i forget <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. It's yeah. just, that's what happens. I tell, I tell myself it ain't because of the old age, but it probably is. I don't know. I've been like this for years. I think it's my brain is always so busy that it, yeah, I have to do it to organize it. But, and the other thing we're doing is nothing very exciting, but we're doing a, uh, some homestead house repairs, you know, because the yeah. house needs attention to just not the garden. Oh. We're uh, redoing our driveway. So that's all part of it for sure. Yep. Yeah. Not very much fun and it's a stinky, icky mess, but it has to be done. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you, you did a canning class the other day, didn't you, or something? I did. I did. I taught last Saturday and, um, oh, it was so hot. <laughs> we did it outside Yeah. and it was just, it was sweltering. I mean, just sweltering. I sweat and sweat and sweat, but it went really well. It was all day long and um it went really well well good i yeah. we're doing i'm doing all of our canning outside just because i don't want it in the house i we have a burner right. out there we'll set everything out there but i get to go in the house a lot and take the breaks while it's doing its thing you know and I've right got the, i've got a whole table filled up with the with everything out there and the dehydrators even out there i'm just keeping all the hot stuff out there it's your dehyd so are you doing it under an overhang yes i have a gazebo okay. yeah yeah i think we're gonna have to do that i wondered about putting my dehydrator outside because i mean i've got two of them running all the time and i'm like yeah. i'm just heating the house up <laughs> they, they do put off a little bit of heat i mean it's not yeah a lot but they do pop some so right yeah, and I, the same with canning i had oh my word a debacle on my way home so where i taught was like a couple hours away and um farm country big rolling hills and i had i was bringing home all these jars that were full and they kept i could hear them back there wiggling around so i stopped four times and kept shoving towels around them and then uh i was going around a curve and i wasn't driving crazy but i hear the whole a whole box fall over oh, no. <laughs> so i lost three jars and i ended up uh 
I didn't lose the jar, but the seal came undone. Yeah. So this morning before work, I ran the camera and redid those jars, but that was, <laughs> it was quite an interesting drive home. And yeah, I was that could, that could have been really messy and bad. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I was wondering how it went. I knew you were teaching that. Did you have a pretty good turnout for it then? I think we had 21 or 22. Oh, wow. That's great. There is a, there is just so much interest uh, for people right now wanting to just learn these skills um, there is, there and, is. And I'm glad to see that. I really am. Cause it's just, it, you know, these things could easily just be forgotten or just uh, when people don't know how to do it, they don't have to pass it down to their children. I mean, it's, it gets forgotten and right. And, and you never know. I mean, yeah, you can just go to the store, right? Now. You never know. I mean, I'm not a yeah. you know, gloom and right. gloom kind of guy, but you just never know. You may need that skill one day and it's not, well, nice and it's it. not just that. So when you go to the store, you get food that was picked a week ago or yep. a few days ago and it was picked so it would transport well not necessarily for peak freshness yes but when you go to the farmer's market those farmers probably picked it last night or this mm -hmm. morning or when you grow it yourself you're growing yes. it for peak freshness and then you're putting that in a jar yeah so you're getting more nutrition and a fresher product yeah than, and just and, and if you're yeah. going to buy canned products i mean by far what you're doing at home is way healthier than what you're going to get. Right. There. Yeah. What they, what they add to it just to keep it right. good for so long. And know. it is expensive to get into. I mean, I was blessed. Mm -hmm. My mother-in-law canned and her mother canned and um, I didn't grow up with that at all. So when my husband and I got married, I started, his mother started teaching me how to can. And so she gave me her canner. Now my canner is ancient. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I have one from the 1960s and two from the 1980s. Yeah. Wow. But they still work. I just ordered, I can still order parts from them. In fact, I just ordered uh, new parts, new gaskets for a couple of them. And um, so, I mean, they still work. They're just not the new fancy ones, but yeah. um, you know, it is, there is an investment involved, but when I went to, I don't know if you guys have Menards there, but here Menards is kind of like yeah, Home Depot or Lowe's. Yeah. Um, on my way, I didn't have enough jars for the canning class. So I stopped and picked up some at Menards and um, they had a canner for a hundred dollars, a pressure yeah. canner. And I know you can buy like the, I mean, I guess we're just going to start this topic, but with canning, yeah, I guess so. but, but yeah, I mean, you can pick up a, like a Presto online, which is a nice canner. You can get the big one, right. like the 21 or 23 quart one, the, the really big one for like 179 bucks or something like that, which right. like you said, it's a, it's an investment, but it's going to last you for years. I want to say this one was a Presto that they had at Menards yeah. for like a hundred dollars, but I don't know how big it is. Now I have yeah. two double stackers. I mean, I have two mm -hmm. big ones that hold uh, two rows of yeah. pint jars. Um, but I didn't, I mean, like I said, I didn't buy them. My mother-in-law yeah. gave them to me. Yeah. So. If you make a big investment, like the all Americans, the really big oh, yeah. all Americans, they're like yeah. I think four, over $400. The but, big one that I would like is over 600. Yeah. But there's, I mean, but they will last. It's something oh, yeah. going down to your yeah. kids. I mean, because they don't have the seal in them. They're, they're, uh, I mean, that's a just, family heirloom. Yes, it yep. is. It's something you yep. can definitely pass down. So it's a good investment. I think about how much oh, yeah. I spent on like a, a Berkey water filtration system. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that's something that's that expensive as well, you know, and I look at things like that and it's like, these are things that you're going to use right. for your lifetime. But so like I said, I mean, mine is old as they are. So one's from the 1960s. So it's older than me. Um, I can still get parts for it. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not an investment that once it breaks, it breaks. These things, All American is a company that's been around for a long time. Mine are Mural. They've been around for a long time. You can still order parts for all of those. Yeah. So, you know, it is, it's an investment, but you can get in for a couple hundred dollars or you can get in and you can buy the Cadillac of canners and get an All American. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What's your thoughts on the electric canners? I have never used one. Um, I have, I have one. And do you? I know there's. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of controversy about them though, because there's people who swear, "Oh, there's no way that could be safe and everything." But I have a carry uh, electric pressure canner. Okay. And and it, I mean, you can only put four quart jars in at a time. Quarts, yeah, it'll right? only hold four, okay. so it's small. But right. boy, there's nothing more convenient than using that thing. <laughs> I don't think you can get them right now. I think they're so sold out everywhere. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't looked. I yeah. thought that you could look it up. Um, like I, I posted a link in here for the canning preservation website for the National Centers for Canning. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they have an electric one. I thought that Ball had an electric one as oh, well. Oh, do they now? Yeah. I think that, there's I think... a couple of them that they have said are perfectly fine. Yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, I mean, I just don't see that they would make them and sell them if they weren't safe. I mean, the liability alone, I would think they would not do that if they weren't safe. And I've never had a problem with mine. It seals perfectly. I honestly, I've, I've probably ran uh, a couple hundred jars to it and I've never had one not seal and or anything. So I mean, I just, I can't, I have never used one, so I don't know. Um, yeah. I, whenever I can, I tend to can in larger amounts. That said, I mean, somebody was asking me today if it was worth buying one. And I said, well, you know, if you just do it quickly, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour before work every day, and you do four jars times five, that's 20 a week. Hey, yeah. What I think the, for winter. <laughs> what I like about the, uh, this one, I mean, the electric one is really nice. I mean, yeah, if I'm going to do some big canning jars, it's time to break out right. the big heavy equipment. So you can do a lot more at once, double them up, get it done. But if, I mean, a lot of times if you're making some, say you're going to make like some chili or, or some, or a soup or something, and you didn't need it all. And you want to just make, put a, summon some jars and, and can it um throw a couple jars in there and, and just turn the thing on and let it do its thing and you don't have to do anything else other than you have to flip over the exhaust thing once it times out you have to flip okay. over the exhaust okay. that's all you have to do and then it shuts off by itself it does everything and then the next right. thing you can just take the jars out which i find yeah that's convenient. that part does sound convenient because yeah. mine so mine is old so it does need babysitting some of the newer ones, like the All-American, mm-hmm. doesn't need as much babysitting right. even as mine does. But right. I tend, I mean, you, you still have to be home even if you're using an All-American. So, you know, I just tend, yeah. to, when I can all day is when I tend to, I'll do my laundry, I'll clean the kitchen, I'll mop the floor, all while I'm, you know, waiting for it to mm-hmm. process. So, you yeah. kind of learn, you know, after a while, after you're doing these kind of things, after a while, it's one of those things where you do one, you learn one new thing and you kind of learn to integrate it into your life. So I can can a batch before I go to work because I've been doing it now for 28 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So after 28 years, you just kind of learn, oh, I have, I have enough time to stick it in there and for it to go. And then I'll turn it off and let it do it, let it cool off on its own after I leave. Mm-hmm. So now do you, yeah, do you do everything in the pressure canner or do you still break out the water bath canner and do some water bath canning also i do some water bath canning mm-hmm. um 
I tend to get lazy and use my pressure canner as a water bath canner because yeah. you can. I mean, you yeah. just don't put, you don't need to put, I just don't put the uh, weight on or anything. I just right. let it right. boil and I would cover everything, of course. Yeah. You know, but I do tend to, I do have one. Um, I do tend to do a lot more pressure canning than I do anything else only because um, the things that require water bath, we don't eat a lot of, like we yeah. don't eat a lot of sweet things like jams or jellies. Yeah. I was going to say, we do, we yeah. still do the jams and jellies in the water and then, bath. I'll do yeah, pickles, and then pickle and even sal- yeah. Yeah, pickles and salsa. I'll usually do salsa in the, in the water. Right. Bath. Yeah. Salsa yeah. or uh, pickles are probably the yeah. only thing I did do pickled onions last year for mm. the first time. And that? we really like those. They were pickled red onions. They were pretty good um for like burgers and stuff but we've been trying to cut like everybody else i think we've been trying to cut back on our carbs and sugar intake so we haven't done a lot but i do still get it out um but not very often i yeah. use my pressure canner a lot yeah yeah which yeah. it's like you get in the habit of using one it's just easier to use that one right i actually think that i actually think that getting out doing the water bath canning is ends up being more work than just breaking out the pressure canner <laughs> i'm not the one then okay yeah i do too and it takes i I just yeah and it's so much for me anyways because i'm short yeah it's so much heavier because you have to put so much more water in it it's just like oh but i was you know we could start talking about different kinds because i was thinking about this for my mom so i'm teaching my mom how to can Mm -hmm. which is interesting because my mom you know every seems like it's kind of fun to teach your mom something but um and uh, one of the things I was looking at for her was a steam canner. Okay. Yeah. Which I didn't I've... even realize they had them until I was doing research for my class. And when I was on the, um, the uh, canning website mm-hmm. where, what was, I can't even remember what it's called. Like the national centers for home canning. Okay. Okay. When I was on their website, they had a couple of uh, different pamphlets for that. And um, so, and I, anyways, I thought it was interesting because they don't use as much water and it'd be something that was easier for my mom to lift mm-hmm. for weight wise, because they, they're so much lighter. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. So, cause mine are pretty heavy even. Oh yeah. And once sure. you get those full jars in there, even if you're pressure canning, once you get those full jars in there, whew, there's some weight there. Have you, have you heard of the, the retort canning? Yes, I yeah. would. I want to do it. Have you looked into it at all? I've just I've seen it online. I've not done anything or even yeah. seen it done, but yeah, it's kind of interesting though. Yeah, I think it's great. So what retort canning is is where they use like the pouches, like when you buy yes. like a yes. tuna fish. Yes, yes, it goes in, in the, the bags. It's what yeah. comes in those bags, and um, I guess I think it sounds great if you're. It probably work really well for maybe somebody that was a homestead that was monetizing. Like I have friends that do chickens and sell chickens yes. and stuff because they already have the chamber sealer for the chicken. Yes. yes. Cause the chamber sealer, it looks like it's pretty yes. expensive. To yeah. Buy. That'd like, be the expensive part. Buys, I just didn't know if it's yeah. something you're even familiar with or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Another, so, it's another method that people can look into. Yeah. But it lasts. Um, it sounds like, so there's, so there's canning and glass jars, mm-hmm. pressure canning, and then there's retort canning and then there's freeze drying. And that, that order is how long they last. Apparently the retort canning lasts longer than in jars. jars. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I so I guess, you know, about that, but yeah. 
or if you were selling products, I could see, I mean, if you're yeah. doing, you know, uh, if you're, you're a small homestead and have a facility that you can sell from. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it could be. But for me personally, into. I don't think it's probably worth the. No, usually. I don't know if out of worth stuff the yeah, well, usually within a year, we've used up pretty much everything we can anyway. So we right. need it for the long right, term. Right, yeah. Well, and then you'd have to buy the bags again, too. Yes, where the jars With, you just got to um, replace the lids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's that kind of, there's water bath canning, steam canning, pressure canning, and retort canning. And, um, you know, and then historically, there's, I don't know if it would be considered canning, though. They would jar things up and seal them with various things. Yeah, let's talk about that. There's an old way that I guess they used to do things is by using uh, fat. To, yeah, they would uh, store it. it. Yeah, it, yeah, put like it a, I, put it in a jar of some kind, of a glass jar, probably more like a or a crock or a something. Crock, yeah. Yes, and yeah. then they would put like cooked meat down in it. They called it larding. They would cook it, put it down in there, and then pour hot uh, lard or whatever over the top of it, fat, and seal it. And then right. you could just and then if any mold did develop, it just develops on the on the fat. Yeah, I think uh, I think the French do it a lot with ducks, and they call it. Yes. I, I always worry I'm saying it wrong, but they call it confit. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah, something and then, um, yeah, and then I have seen when I was researching because I actually taught a class on food preservation last year, and when I was researching that, apparently they do it with fruit too, mm. and still cover it with the fat, which really? I thought was interesting. It did yeah. not sound appetizing to no. me. But now, just to be clear, we're not telling anybody this is right. what you should go do because it may or may not be safe. It's, and if we don't even right. know. It's not something I've ever done. I don't think it's anything you've ever done. Uh, even though canning, too, is something we have done. We don't tell. We're not going to tell you how to do it. There's courses. Right. There's books. There's yep. so many great resources. And we'll probably get into some resources here at the end. But yeah. there's a lot of great resources out there that will right. teach you step by step on how to do it. On a podcast is not the place for that. Right. Get into the, the details. And when it's not done correctly, there is a danger. There is a possibility of botulism and and it can, it can kill right. you dead. We don't want to play with that. Yeah, so it's not fun. Yeah. It's well, something yeah, you definitely so, want to seek training yeah. in. Yeah. So that was something historically that they did. They did wild stuff though. I mean, they did, yeah. I think they would cover them too. I, I can't remember. Well, there's the group on Facebook, uh, Townsend's where he does a lot of historical cooking and he did a lot of, um, he called them potted meat where he would cook the meat and put the fat over it. But, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He does a lot of historical cooking from like the 17, in 1800s it's a really interesting channel if you've ever watched it i've never really oh you would love it it's it's really fun to watch send me a a link to that i'll put it in the show i think i put it in the (laughs) i actually put it in the show notes yeah because i think it's it's definitely fun to watch his stuff um the town the townsend that's what you're townsend and jess townsend and son i think okay yeah i'll definitely will i'll get that and the uh and I actually have a friend that worked at, are you familiar with Greenfield Village? No. It's part of the Henry Ford Museum in Detroit. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, they'd have this huge historical reenacting, not quite as big as Colonial Williamsburg, but, but similar. And I had a friend that was a historical cook there for a while. And she just oh. did, she just did a thing on Facebook, um, a video of how they used to, do jam using brandy paper brandy paper oh yeah, they roll I, it they roll it and seal it like that no they huh? cut they would 
they would put the jam in the jar and then they would cut a piece of paper, soak the paper in brandy or no, was it brandy or sherry? I wrote it down, but either way, an alcohol. And then they would place it on top of the jam. And then she said they would seal it with an egg paper, which she was going to show today online. But it was like, it's just interesting. All of those. I, where did they come up uh, with this stuff? I've actually heard of something like that where they roll in paper also, but you have to do like a really super high sugar content. Yes, she said that. that. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that actually done. But And this was actually just jam in paper and they preserve it that way. But yeah. it has to be done really like or like a wax paper or something. Wow. And it had to be really super high sugar content to keep it safe, of course. So you couldn't use like a low sugar pectin and do the low sugar thing like right, right. Day. you'd have to go really super high sugar content. And and again, it what's sugaring is a thing that is a way yes. of preserving also. So sugar is a preservative. I actually um, have done that, but have, nothing, but not with anything. I've done sugaring with um mint leaves. Really? Because when you dry mint leaves, they end up all brown and not looking very pretty. Uh-huh. Well, I wanted to save some mint leaves for a cake that we usually eat in December. (laughs) So I found this recipe where you layer the the peppermint leaves with layers of sugar. And it did. They were green. Really? And they were dry. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And I, and I used them and um, I did that with salt with basil leaves too. Yeah. Salting is a, is a great preservative. Yeah. Well, everybody knows about that. The sugaring, I right. didn't know at one point I was like, I was surprised to find out that sugar was would preserve <clears throat> like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The high sugar content, which, you know, they might, they just yeah. worked so much then I guess they didn't have to worry as much about their blood sugar as we do now. <laughs> yeah. They actually worked it off. Right. We just, we sit at desks and in vehicles. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, those, yeah, are- those, those are some of the fun. Uh, I mean, historically, I always wonder like who decided, all right, you're going to try it. And then we're just going to sit and watch you and see if you yes. get sick <laughs> Yeah, I've said, I said I usually say that about all kinds of foods. Like I'll see some, you know, somebody's like, you can't you think you can eat that mushroom? I'm like, I don't know, but you go first and I'll wait three right. days. And if you're still alive, I'll take a bite. Exactly. Who <laughs> decided that, that you're the one who drew the short straw? Yeah, I'm not I don't want to be just testing out stuff. Uh, like uh corn smut. I have you ever ate corn smut? No, but I heard it was edible and that sounds I, awful. I heard it was edible and great. And I, I had a bunch of girl on my corn this year and I'm like, I, I could, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to prepare that and eat it. But I guess it's something they serve in like fine dining restaurants. 
in Europe and things. Oh, really? It's horrible looking, isn't it? And yeah. And I'm like, there's no way I could eat that. I I don't even want to, but it just looks like mold to me. I don't know. (laughs) It basically is. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. So is cheese, I guess. to some degree. True. True. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's something I haven't, I guess I had a bunch of it happen this year because the way I was watering overhead, it, it happened. And it, I got a lot of corn smut on my corn and so I had a lot of it. So it was, yeah, it was something different, but yeah, there's just all kinds of things. I don't want to try that. You're right. Who tried those things first to find who put corn smut in their mouth first to try it. I guess okay. they, maybe that's all they had. Maybe they had a bad crop and that's all they had to eat. And they just said, well, let's True. see what happens. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of old ways. I mean, there's a lot of things people did with meat that we don't do as much. Now we still do it. Like you, you have actually took some classes in some, ways of preparing I did I um basically it's fermented meat or what people call now charcuterie yeah uh people do charcuterie boards it's like the fad right now but Mm -hmm. I did I took a I took a two-day long class in that and um we actually started with the actual pig like butchering the the pig and um the pig was already dead this time because I had actually already taken the class on how to so you have when you butcher a pig for charcuterie you actually cut it up differently okay and if you're butchering it for other things so um that's why they start you with this half a hog laying on a table and you learn how to cut the parts like cut the bacon out so you're not um ruining any part of it or cutting and one of the biggest issues with cutting meat for charcuterie especially if you're going to cure it air cure it or ferment it is not getting accidental cuts because that's where the bacteria will grow it puts oxygen in there so smooth cuts are ideal and what somebody like me that doesn't do it all the time is not good at (laughs) i think I, i i think i was the one that ruined I didn't ruin the bacon, but we had to cut it smaller because I accidentally sliced, no. which leaves room for I, oxygen. I don't know a lot about, about that. Now, how do you, what do you put on the meat? It really depends. So of course we still used safe methods. I don't, I do have a couple of older books that still did talk about using saltpeter, which is the mm-hmm. pink salt, not to be confused with Himalayan salt, not the okay. same thing, yeah. but, um, so I'm not sure when saltpeter came around, but when we were doing things that re- that would have oxygen, like sausage and stuff like that, you yeah. would put the pink salt in there, the okay. in- Instacure. There's like Instacure 1 and Instacure 2. We would put that in there. And um, so we made sausages, which were never, they were actually cured, just like fermented and then stuffed mm-hmm. into... Um, casings and then we made uh prosotto which takes months like i think that even takes a couple of years like the really? older it is the better with that wow. with that one yeah and then the bacon is pretty quick um so yeah it's what, it what's the uh what's the treatment they do with the vinegar where you take like apple cider vinegar and put on meat do you know what that is i can't remember what the name of that is is that built on I think it's yes on. yes that's yeah. a, that's what that is that's another thing that's yeah that i haven't is. tried that and i want to try yeah, that yeah i've never tried it either it sounds interesting and i'd like to try it i hear it's really good yeah i mean we've made a lot of jerky and i actually have made um charcuterie mm-hmm. and um 
not going to tell people how to do it because we're not doing that this show. But if people <laughs> want to find that, they can find that. There is a couple of books out there that are really good. I I, I sent you a link for one. Yeah, I want to make sure all these books class. and stuff we're yeah. linking to are going to definitely um, get in the show. But notes. there is, um, I mean, there's a few places because it's a big thing right now that are offering classes and stuff. But it was it was fun. It was really fun to take I, the class. I did want to mention. Uh, when we were talking about canning, uh, I think it's really important. If there's one book you're going to have, even if you know how to can and you're, there's something you can refer to back every year is the ball canning jar book. That is a great reference book. Um, it's just as quick almost to jump on the internet these days, but if you're not able to do that, I mean, to, to break out of that ball I, canning book, I actually really prefer an actual, but I have, yeah, I I have as you can see, I am a book hoarder. I actually yes. got, when, when we stopped homeschooling, I actually got rid of probably over a thousand books and I still have well over that in my house. And I'm now yeah. collecting my second era of books. <laughs> you and I are I, so much more alike than, you know, <laughs> the ball canning jar, the ball canning book that you posted in, mm-hmm our show notes that we you sent to me is actually the book that I've used for the last 10 years. Yes, Mine's nice. like all got dog-eared and everything. It's a great book to have on hand just to see your times yeah. and your pressure, just to see everything. You right. have all the information for whatever you're canning. It's, it's right. really nice for that. Well, it's even got troubleshooting, yes. you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I have that. And, um, but I, the other thing I also do besides, um, my husband has done some smoking. I would really like to be doing a lot more of it. Yeah. We don't necessarily personally, but I know you can, we don't necessarily use it for food preservation. We use it more for flavor. Taste yeah. yeah. I have one of them electric smokers you yeah. know, that we bought. We put the chips in and stuff and we'll do that too. We'll smoke like some quail or something in it. And it's right. It. I've never tried it for preservation. That would be, yeah, yeah I've never tried that. I would but like I'm, to, it would be neat to build like a cold smoker house or something or a small yeah. thing and have it. Yeah. It'd be neat to try to do that. Especially he with wanted like to try cheese. I, yeah. Cheese would be good. I think fish would be really good like that too. Oh yeah, it would. Yeah. And I have, I mean, I've canned fish, but I've never done. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way I've ever tried to preserve fish is canning it. Yeah. Yeah. We have done. So I have, we do uh, have two dehydrators mm-hmm. and I have the Excalibur food dehydrator book because I have two Excaliburs. So, um, and I, and I love, we use that a lot for, um, I don't know. I have used that probably more this year and last year for vegetables. Maybe not more, maybe about the same amount as I do for canning. I would say I'm almost even across the board on three things, uh, canning, dehydrating, and freezing. <laughs> we put okay, a lot, yeah. I put a lot in the freezer as much as I right. can anyway. And I'm going to be really regretting that because I've got the freezers really full right now. And if, when deer season rolls around and I get a deer, or if I get a deer, I don't know where I'm going to put it. <laughs> so I've been trying to pull stuff out of our freezers to can it because yeah. right now my one freezer is so full. I'm having to put heavy boxes on it to make sure the lid is shut. Yeah. <laughs> so now let's go back to dehydrating for a second. Now you're dehydrating right. an awful lot. And so am I, yes. what do you do with all that dehydrated food? So I do a lot of greens, which I powder. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I eat a lot of smoothies. Okay. It's just quick for me. Um, when I'm in a hurry in the morning, getting ready for work, I will make a smoothie with some homemade yogurt and I'll put in powdered fruit. Cause I'll actually powder. I'll actually powder some of the fruit. Usually I do the powdered fruit. Um, just because it's easier. Like I don't want to take up my freezer space. 
Right. I try to use yeah. my freezers That's mostly it. for meat, even though I do canned meat. We like, we would actually prefer meat frozen as to canned, but I do can some meat, but, um, so yeah, I powder a lot of greens and I powder a lot of fruit. And then I also do just dry fruit. Like we love apple chips. Mm -hmm. I saw that you posted pear chips and now I want to Yeah, they were great. (laughs) I I made a ton of them and then I ate like a whole jar of them every day for like a week and a half. (laughs) So. Yeah, I right. was like, they're so good. I can't stop eating them. It was a good little snack, though. I still have some more pears. I can make some more. Right. I do a ton of baby, like, uh, I have pear tomatoes. Man, I'm telling you, all you need is like one or two pear tomato plants, and those things produce like yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. And I will, sl- I put those in the dehydrator, and those are like snacks in the winter, just mm-hmm. little tomato bomb. They're amazing. And I put those, I don't, and I do a lot of herbs. We grow a lot of our own herbs and onions and stuff. Yeah, for put like in soups and things. We'll take a lot of that dehydrated stuff and put it in when you're yeah. making this. And it'll just kind of they'll kind of soften up, swell back up. And they're great just for storing those things for soups. We'll just drop a, you know, shake yeah. a little bit of this in there, a little bit of that in there, and put these put peppers and tomatoes, dried tomatoes, just whatever, um, yeah. in a soup or whatever. Or you could even make a salsa out of dried stuff. Um, well, it'll, be- it'll kind of rehydrate and go back yeah. in there. You can do I haven't tried things. that. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I do is I dehydrate a ton of zucchini and squash, but mostly zucchini because I have, ce- I have celiac disease. Mm-hmm. And so I will use that zucchini to thicken soups. Oh, okay. Yeah. I will use my, I will put it in the soup with the broth and then I'll use my stick blender oh, and, and pulverize it into, and then it kind of thickens. So I use a lot of vegetables and stuff to thicken, okay. thicken stuff. And, um, but yeah, we do bread too. We do a lot yeah. of zucchini bread. I haven't tried it from dehydrated. I do freeze it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I should some try it for, for the zucchini bread. I've never tried dehydrating it either, but yeah, we'll freeze yeah. some. Go ahead. And, and I have dill. I don't know about it. you, but dill is a weed in my garden. Um, I never I have to plant of. it. Yeah. I never have to plant it. It plants itself. I tried this year. I am actually trying to make an effort to not allow it to reseed wherever it wants. <laughs> but, it sounds like we, we have our issues on things that want to take over our gardens. I have something this year, really last year and this year, and that's uh, morning glories. Oh, oh my really? goodness. They are trying to take over this entire homestead. Wow. It's unreal. They're, they just vine and wrap around everything and you can't hardly get them off there it's something minor wild violets <laughs> yeah you got that huh i don't oh, even know what these morning glo- i didn't plant these morning glories they blew in from someplace else and oh my goodness they are so I, yeah so i'll dehydrate a lot of that stuff and then i use it either in food or we we do make some herbal med- herbal cures or mm-hmm. whatever you know we yeah. we use some and, and tea we i like a lot of tea in the winter so we'll do some tea and i'll dry a lot of herbs of course i'll make medicinal things out of the herbs and then one of my daughters has gotten into making soaps so i'll dry a lot of things for her that she'll put in soaps and things so that's kind of neat like chamomile and things like that she'll put that in soaps which is kind of cool and i mean just things like that so yeah like you the dehydrator is just always running (laughs) just always dehydrating things and i love those i mean i'm not saying you have to have an excalibur but i do like the box after a while i have the stackable one i have i have the stackable kind yeah and i like the box because you can determine the size of what you're putting in there i think it's more even yeah. in that box too when the yeah what i find with those round discs ones i have to like um the stuff on it, the bottom will get will dry oh. faster so i have to kind of like 
be rotating okay. them constantly. Yeah. yeah. And you uh, can get, I mean, you can get other brands besides the Excalibur. Believe it or not, yes. last year, I only, I got an Excalibur on Marketplace. Yeah. You were talking about that in the last episode yeah, that so, you found that. Good yeah. Deal. So yeah. once in a while you find them. I actually saw a dehydrator today on there that was a box kind, mm-hmm. not an Excalibur, but it was a box kind that looked really nice. Yeah. So I've seen that there's I, a, some other companies I've making seen people rise bread in them. Yeah. Really? I've seen people rise bread in them wow. and make yogurt in them. I bet that would work good for your sourdough bread. Probably would. I should try it. Yeah, try that. Yeah. Yeah. You just take all the trays out and, mm-hmm. you know, sure. put it in. Oh, the other thing I do in there is um, I bought these silicone things that have little lips in them and you can make like fruit roll up. Fruit roll, yeah. And, oh, yeah. There. Yep. Yeah. Which is, the kids love that. <laughs> Right, which is a little addictive. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. but it's a, but it's a healthy snack. I mean, you you know, it's something if you're going to eat snacks, those are the kind you want to eat. Right. Sure. Yep. So that's one thing you can do with all that. Like I this year, it seems like every year it's a different thing that you're going to have just lots of. For me, for some reason this yeah. year for us is going to we are going to be drowning in apples. <laughs> so. Yeah, we have a lot of apples too. I haven't yeah. I haven't even started really picking up pick a few just to eat. But yeah, I must start uh, doing something right. with those here pretty soon too. Like I did the well, pears. We'll probably make applesauce, but uh, I will probably make a lot of pear chips or mm-hmm. apple chips. Yes. So, yeah. Do you do you make a lot of jerky in your dehydrators? I would like to make more than I do. When I do make it, it doesn't last very long. Yeah, that's how it is right here too. We eat it up pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, especially we like to do that with venison. Mm-hmm. And um. I think last year, yeah, last year, my husband didn't get a deer. Do you ever, like, there's a couple of ways you can make, it's not really jerky technically, but you ever do like the, through the gun where you just, you basically, you yeah. make a burger out of it and then you put it through that, like almost like a caulk gun. And you, my like, husband bought me one of those at yeah. a garage sale and I did yeah. use it once. I should try it again. Because it, it's a, it's a burger. softer version of jerky, really. It doesn't quite right. as chewy as a regular jerky. Yeah. I made it once and then I made it another time and made it, I think it was way too much. Was it way too much? It was either way too much salt or way too much sage. I somehow messed up the recipe and it yeah. was absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could probably overdo it with the spices. I would imagine. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 But your yeah. Those silicone, well, I mean, we think about it. Like you talking about those silicone pads you had and I thought those right. would work good for making jerky on probably like something like they that. Would. Those would, yeah. that was, that would probably be my only complaint about a dehydrator is, and yours is probably the same is washing. Yes. All yeah. those little teeny tiny. Yeah. I wish they would fit in my dishwasher so I could just stick them in a dishwasher. <laughs> I'm a little afraid to put mine in. I guess I'm afraid it would melt. But so what I do now is my sink. I actually, when I, when we redid our kitchen, I actually made it. So my sink was really big. So my, mm-hmm. my, I can actually put the whole thing Get it down in there and let yeah. it soak. But that's my biggest complaint about them is yeah. uh, they're hard to clean, clean up. They are uh, hard to clean. If you can just, yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people want to put down. It doesn't give, I don't think it dries as, it definitely doesn't dry as fast and as, as good. I don't think if you put down like a wax paper or something and di- dehydrate it first. Yeah, people I have do that, these, so. um, they're not silicone. I'm not sure exactly what they are. They're like, they're thin sheets that are very thin. Mm-hmm. They're not wet. They kind of feel like maybe they're waxed or something like that. They're food safe. Yeah. Um but they're not the silicone mats because my silicone mats actually have a lip on them. So you can mm-hmm. put a liquid in them. I have those and they do help, but they don't dry as quick. That's yeah, sure. that's Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But well, it does make it easier than all those little tiny holes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, 
I mean, so that's one form of drying your food, but have you done any freeze drying? Have you ever tried freeze drying? I haven't. I actually went to a friend's house that has one. Mm -hmm. Cause I was, I, I probably won't invest in one. They're, they're it's an expensive, expensive. Yeah. It's yeah an expensive I mean, piece of equipment to invest it's spendy, but um, I just wanted to see one and it's pretty, it's pretty amazing how yeah. they, how they work. And I mean, the food lasts for forever and ever, but I have not, I don't have one. Yeah. I can't speak from experience either. I've just seen them operate. I know how expensive they are. I put it on a dream right. list for maybe one day, <laughs> but right. if, we, if I win the lotto that I don't play, but then yeah. you won't ever use it because you'll <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't buy I don't play the lottery either. I figure my chances of finding a winning ticket are about the same as buying one. So I well, <laughs> I would probably I love homesteading so much that even if I won the lotto, I would probably still do, still it. do yeah. it. Oh yeah. You'd, I think I would be, be you'd just be doing it in a nice you know, like a bigger home, a nicer kitchen, maybe or something. <laughs> right. Well, I don't really I don't know either. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I would do, but I know that I would be doing it home full time instead of working. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's that's but, for sure. That's for sure. Um, you do a lot of fermenting. Do some fermenting. I don't do a lot. Okay. I mean, do the sauerkraut for sure. That's something we okay. do. I do a lot of I mean, uh, in food, but kombucha, I make a lot of that. I mean, we make that. Every okay. Week. And of course that's fermented drink tea, um, right. uh, fermented some pickles. I do some fermenting pickles, some fermenting other vegetables, but I haven't done that this year at all. For some reason I need to do that. I've had the, I have the lids that go on the jars for that. Oh, the um, pickle or whatever they yeah, are for, for fermenting. They'll screw right on the Mason jar. So you can do it right in the Mason jar, which is kind of neat. Okay. That works out really well. Um, okay. Yeah, it's pretty easy and and yeah, I mean it's a way healthier option than right. you know, just making it the other way, like with well, in, yeah, for sure. I mean, fermenting um just a lacto uh fermentation for your gut health is just amazing. Right. Yeah, it's something yeah, I, I mean, know, that's one thing about canning is when you, especially when you pressure can, I mean it that does kill some of the nutrition, mm-hmm, but when you absolutely. ferment, right. You're actually you're not, building a lot of that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we do I I've done pickles. We love to do dilly carrots, or mm, I do. Yes. I'm the one that eats most of the ferments. Mm. It's not a lot of people eat the ferments. Uh, dilly asparagus mm-hmm. fermented is yummy. Um, I do the I just started the sourdough. Yeah, for the, that we just made our second loaf, which has, so far seems to be working quite well. I wasn't incredibly successful with my attempts at kombucha. <laughs> Oh yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten it down to a pretty good science. Like we make a, I make a about two gallons a week of that. Wow. Do you second ferment it? So it gets fizzy. It naturally does a little bit in the refrigerator. I don't set it out with that purpose because we drink it so fast. It doesn't hardly have time to to get too fizzy, but it'll have a little bit of bubble. Do you add fruit to yours then or flavors? Uh, yeah, juice. I'll just take the fruit juices. Okay. We'll just take stuff out of the garden, like the apples, or we'll take pear juice okay. or whatever. And we'll just use that in the in the fermenting. I think I just need to try harder. When I made it, I overdid it. Mm-hmm. So it was more like vinegar. And everyone's like, no. Yeah, I usually only <laughs> let mine go a couple weeks. But if you let it go a lot longer, it gets yeah. you know, get pretty. Like, I don't like store-bought uh, kombucha. It's way too strong. Like stuff you'd buy okay. at the store. It's just so strong. I don't even like it. I think it. I need to get a SCOBY. And that's what you need is a yeah, SCOBY. SCOBY. For everybody SCOBY. else, you need a SCOBY. It looks like a... It's, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's a yeast disc. 
basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not the most appetizing thing to look at, but it works. I can't, I can't even think of what SCOBY stands. Actually, why it's called SCOBY is it stands for something. It's the letters uh, or something. I can't remember either. Yeah, I can't remember It's a long, it, it's an yeah, acronym, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. But it's. And uh, I do, I, do you do any kefir? Kefir? I've never, I've never done kefir? No, I've never done it. Uh, it doesn't look good to me. I don't right? know. I, probably everybody says it does, but it just doesn't sound good to me. So I, I do the milk, the milk, or you can, if you, and you can use any kind of milk with it. You can use non-dairy milk to make mm-hmm. kefir. And then I also do water kefir and it's yeah. like pop. Is that how you pronounce it? Kefir or is it kefir? I, I was always, told I that was kefir. how you pronounce okay. it by somebody okay. that went to Russia. Okay. They probably know better than me. <laughs> That's what I figured, but I don't know. Kefir, kefir, whatever. But yeah. uh, so I do both of those. I've been really fairly successful with both of those. They're different. The milk, the milk grains are different than the water grains and they actually look very different. Yeah. So it's interesting that they call them the same because I think the bacteria is quite different. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah. they use the same ones, water kefir, ones, milk kefir. And, um, but I like those just because they're super easy. Mm. I mean, and I, I think they're easier than the SCOBY was, but that's me. Really? I find that, yeah. I find that, yeah, making kombuchas. Really I think I just to need to try yeah. again. Um, I've never tried kefir. Like I said, I, it just didn't look up anything. Fermented milk doesn't sound good to me, but maybe I you don't like yogurt. I do a little, not, I don't <laughs> love it, but I eat it. Yeah. Okay. See, I love yogurt yeah. and the kefir is just, it's, got different bacteria in it than the yogurt so i usually do you know a little bit of both and then the water has got even more different and the water what i liked about it, i started doing that with the kids because the kids didn't like the milk kefir but i wanted them to have a probiotic drink so i would do that and then i would second ferment it with grape juice and it would be like grape pop it would be oh that sounds really fuzzy. good that sounds really it, good. it is really good yeah, yeah. So we did, so we do that. And then I think those are most of the ferments that we, we do crow. Usually I do the old method. So I don't use any picklets or anything. Hmm. I just use the old cabbage leaf and a boiled rock technique. (laughs) (laughs) Beat it to death, huh? Yeah. Well, no, we would. So I, if I use a small jar, but usually when I ferment, I use bigger jars, but, um, I'll use like a cabbage leaf to hold the product under the water, whatever yeah, it is, pickles yeah. or kraut. And then we'll use a a glass, another glass jar or a plate or a boiled rock to hold it mm-hmm. under. And that's all I do. I don't use any airlocks or anything. Yeah. 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 I've got the airlocks. It's just quicker right. for somebody like me right. that just forgets about things and doesn't do things it's nice right. to lid on and walk away from it <laughs> and that's we just do it that way because that's how we yeah. learned my husband's yeah. aunt is in her 90s and she used to do tons and tons of sauerkraut and it was in a you know big old crock big, and that's how she crock, did it and yeah. so this is how we learned how to do it was the old way and now in the last i don't know 10 or 15 years they've come out with all the yeah what do they call them now i lost the name and i just had it Picklets and all that stuff, and we just we had learned before that, so now we're just using the same one method we've always used. Hey, it works, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you, you yeah. have to buy new things and use what you got. That's what I say. I mean, some of this stuff does take 
special equipment to do. Of course, canning takes right. a lot of special equipment and dehydrating. And you can even build a solar dehydrator. You could dehydrate. I mean, people have been dehydrating as long as they're. I dehydrated. would love to do yeah. that just because they're so big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't need that equipment for that. I mean, really, the, there's a few things here that you would need if you want to do certain things, right. but some of the stuff can be done with just a minimal amount of equipment, just with some ingenuity and building something. Yeah. I think the airlocks do work better if you wanted to make like um, any kind of alcohol, which I've never done. Like I've never made beer or what is it? Wine or anything. We've, I think we've they- made, we've made wine a few times. And when okay. I first started making wine, I didn't have airlocks for like bottles on that. What okay. I did was I would take a balloon. Okay. I've and seen that. Stick it over the top of the bottle and just poke a little hole in it. Just one little okay. hole. So nothing, so bugs or anything can't get in, but it will stand up. And it just barely seep out of that hole, and it basically creates an airlock. Right. So it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah it works yeah. the same so there's, way. There's many it. different ways to get to the end product. Yep. Yep. So we did. We've done that. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good techniques out there, and I'm sure there's probably a, many we're not even thinking about. Really. I mean, like I said, you oh, could build yeah. you could build an outdoor smoker. You can build an outdoor dehyd sun dehydrator. Um, of course, you could. I mean, you could get a big pot and water bath can over an open fire if you wanted to. I mean, there's there's ways right. to do things that you don't have to go out and spend tons of money. If you want to get a decent canner, you can try to find an affordable one like a Presto or something cheaper even. Um, yeah. There is an investment in the jars, the lids, the, you know, and the rings and all the things you'll, you'll need. But most of that's a one-time investment. Mm-hmm. You get to buy the lids, but they're pretty cheap. Well, in and some of those, you can get the reusable lids. Yeah, have you used the reusable ones? I've heard yes. people say they didn't have a lot of luck with those. So I have, but you do have to use them differently. Okay, yeah, I wasn't and sure. And their websites, if you go, there's a couple of different companies. There's a couple of different jars. There's the new jars. Well, actually, they're not new, but they're out of Europe that have <clears throat> their glass, and then there's a rubber ring, and then the clap. The top is also glass. Oh, really? Okay. But those companies know that there's a learning curve and they have pretty good videos on their websites, but I have had really, I have both harvest guard and Tatler lids. I have the, not had any seal failures. Did, now my, I don't know this, but I've seen a lot of these jars. What's the old jars that were the glass lid. They're the old ball jars. Even they had the glass and they had the thing, the, the wire that snapped over the top of them. Did they actually can sure those? Were, did I'm you ever see sure. those? Yeah, I actually own some of my great grandmother. Yeah, I've, I think I've yeah. had some too, but I don't know if they ever used those for actual canning or if they use them for fermenting or storage. I or think they actually canned in them, but I'm not really? sure. So. I should ask my friend that used to do yeah. the historical canning. I think they may have. But, Somebody um, can jump in the uh, Homestead Front Porch face, yeah, Facebook group and tell us all about good. it if you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I know. Oh, that was one of the things. That was one of the trivia things I talked about. So I have, I kind of collect old some old books and one of my old books that my husband's grandmother had they actually were showing a picture of them um not jarring tinning so actually canning in a can okay okay uh during the war they used the old tins to make yeah. They would actually can in those. They would actually like submerge those in pressure can and water bath can in those tin cans. And it was this crazy looking contraption. Isn't there a, yeah, you've, you've seen like those um, Victorian homestead. Uh, oh my gosh. I love those. Is it in one of those, like maybe the wartime one or something? Aren't yeah. they doing that? I think there's yes. one of them where they're actually doing some cans. Like yeah. That. Yeah. But they use, so here's the, 
historical. So they did that. Um, they used lead in those. So, oh wow, yeah. So a lot of people, I forget who was the guy. Was it Ernest Shackleton that went to like the North Pole and got stuck and they all died? They ended up having lead poisoning because oh, they were wow. eating everything out of these canning those tins, and they were they had lead in them. There's reasons we do things different sometimes, right? Sometimes right. things are not as good as we used to do them. And sometimes they're way better than we right. used to do them. <laughs> but yeah, they would jar them up or not called jar. They used to call canning and jars jarring. And then that was canning because it was that in was a metal thing. But yeah, that those, those are great. If you're interested in history, I'm not going to say any of that safe methods, but if you're interested in history, that whole BBC, like wartime farm, Victorian farm, yes. they just have so fascinating. Th- those are and great documentaries. Love, love that. I mean, you can watch yeah. them do some pretty wild things. And some of that stuff, I mean, we still do today or now we're going back to it. You know, uh, I think it was also a wartime farm where they were using they were fermenting feed like mm, uh, yeah. silage and stuff. Yeah. 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 So yeah. You know, some of that stuff we're still doing. Yeah. Some of them we've gotten away from and it was actually a really good idea. We've just gotten like for right. time saving or whatever. We just got lazy or we just got busy. I don't know which right. probably busy. Um, we stopped doing a lot of those things. A lot of those things were, were better again. There some things not necessarily. I mean, we definitely right. do something right. safer and better than, than we used to do them. Yeah. Uh, so then we, we had the one, I haven't done this. But I have, uh, well, no, I have not, but I would like to, especially cherries, um, preserving an alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. That I think would sound, that sounds good, especially with fruit. It sounds like maybe, well, I haven't tried it. I mean, I make, I mean, it, it, that's different than, than like making tinctures. I mean, which you do with right. alcohol also, right. this is more of a, this is actually taking fruit and submerging it. And then I think you can even add the sugars into it, which actually makes it a liqueur. Right. I mean, yeah. that was, you actually put the sugar in with the fruit and in the liquor, like with vodka or whatever, or, um, I don't know a lot about it, but I've seen, some, I don't either. I'm not, I've, a, I'm not a big yeah, drinker. I've seen, so I've seen some videos yeah. on it. So I know how it's kind of done, Right. but uh, yeah, it's, it preserves, it does preserve as well. Yeah. I mean, I've made a few tinctures, but none of them are for tasting good. They're only medicinal. For, yeah. <laughs> like a cough syrup or something. Yes. Yeah, so I've made, I make you know, tinctures for medicinal reasons. Yeah. Of course, yeah. My grandpa used to say that about is it, you know, peppermint schnapps. That was right, right. medicinal. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you wonder though, is that where some of these flavors came from? Like peach schnapps is it, did it come from them putting peaches in it, alcohol and then going, Hey, after a while that alcohol all tastes it, good. It probably did. <laughs> yeah. And then they just figured out ways to do it quicker and cheaper and right. just for the alcohol purpose of it only right. a flavor and not for the actual preserving of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sugar though, but you can see one of my favorite books and it's a children's book, but I loved it was farmer boy. And, um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, it was a, one of the part of the little house series. Oh, okay. Yeah. But farmer boy is all about her husband, Almanzo and, and he was raised on a farm. And one of the things they talk about was having barrels and barrels of sugar and barrels and barrels of salt. Yeah. And they're down in their larder. And um, but you can see why you needed all of that to preserve. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you did. You didn't have refrigeration. You didn't have a freezer. You didn't you didn't even have like yeah. canning equipment and canning right. jars and things. You had to use those methods to preserve your food through the winter. And right, which brings us back to root cellars, which being a yes. suburban urban homesteader, I do not have and covet 
other people so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can do things. There's, there's some right. things people, you can actually turn a basement into one. If you insulate and get, you have, yeah. have to have air circulation. There's things you got to do to make a basement into a, a, a root cellar, but a traditional like outside in the ground root cellar. Yeah. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Um, I've seen some uh, hacks that people do with like burying a deep freezer Right. And things like that. I don't know about any of that. I don't know how well that works, but you have to put a fan, have a fan that circulates okay. air and you have to do certain things. Um, but yeah, you're right. Wouldn't having a, a nice. I've seen where they bury a barrel, mm, like yeah. under piles of straw and dirt. Yeah. Um, I've never tried it. We get pretty cold for pretty long here. So I wonder, like, it, I think it would just depend on where you're at as to yeah. how deep, and how deep so too, your yeah. frost line goes yes i think but, you're right i think it just it'd be totally different depending on where you're at in the world because yeah right. some places it wouldn't get cool enough some places it get too cold in the winter time i mean you just i think it would just make a big difference on the design uh, right. what kind of stuff i actually have. purchased that root cellaring book that's very popular because mm -hmm. of our acreage and i would love to have one and um i was looking at how to store our potatoes here since i don't have a root cellar and it, that's the other thing with root cellaring is different vegetables and fruits require different temperatures and humidity. And in that book, they actually show like that was why they had shelves and stuff in there because certain things would be on the bottom and yeah. certain things would be on the top. Right, and right. there's a whole science behind it that Absolutely. I think we there's, have there's a really there's a reason knowledge. the old bread boxes and stuff, you have like your potato bin on the bottom and your bread and stuff, you know, they would. There's right. a reason because of humidity levels and temperatures and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. We've just, just all those skills that we have long since kind of forgotten. Well, you were talking about like in the, the homestead front porch one day about how uh, preserving onions and you were saying, has anybody ever tried the nylon stockings to put your onions right. in? I think a lot of people just make, braid them. Uh, I'm going to do both. So I yeah. did buy, I was able to find, cause I was like, where do I find nylons? I mean, who, and I found some at the dollar store, believe it or not. Uh, now, now we are referring to the, the dollar 25 <laughs> store, but I found some there. And so I did put some onions in that after I cured them. And then I'm also going to braid some. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. I've braided them before. We've never done this. Well, not braid them. But... I actually found, I don't know what they call it, but it was like a loop. And then you twist oh. around instead of braiding them. Yeah. Braiding works really good for garlic um the onions right. they do get it's a little weak so they can fall off pretty easy it's that's what they were saying so yeah, this method yeah. might work but we'll see i'll keep everybody posted yeah i'm gonna try both i didn't have um you know just because we're on here together doesn't mean i have the world's best garden i did not have the most beautiful onions this year so we'll see i i want to find a breed that gets a lot bigger than what yeah, I our, our onions aren't as big as they get sometimes but they're really good and they did really well i mean they're they taste great and they're they're a decent size they're just a little right. smaller than what you know like you would go to the store and buy those nice right. onions. we didn't get any of that quite that big but but they're nice and we'll definitely put a bunch of them up but that is another way to preserve i mean you can just braid things and hang right. things and and you can do that in a darker spot in, in a kitchen or something or in a cupboard right. um and just have that stuff just go over and like say, garlic or onions. i did ferment garlic last year really yeah, and that has been fantastic. We use it, um, I will, but my family doesn't. I will eat raw garlic. Like, I'll mix it. Like, if I feel like I'm, 
congested or something. I'll mix it with some raw honey. And so I have it for that, but you can, but it, you can just slice it up and fry it. Of course, then you lose the good bacteria to it, but it has, it's stored really, really well that way. Like without getting, cause usually when you store it, it'll start to get mold or dry out. Um, I've had it over a year in my downstairs refrigerator and it's, oh, wow. That's great. it's great. I, but it was a little work. Of course you have to peel all those cloves, but yeah, like I said, there's so many things we're not even going to touch of ways to preserve food. Yep. I mean, I think I'm thinking about milk right now. I'm thinking about butters and cheeses. Oh and yeah. All the things there that you can do. And, and I there's, mean, there's so just, many ways, there's so many ways to preserve yep. food and, and you just basically look at what you've got and then just research and find ways right. to do it that are safe, that will fit yep. your needs that will maintain taste. That's the thing. Uh, so many things you can do. There are a lot of ways to preserve food, but you may not like the way it tastes. Exactly. So you might want to just do some experimenting on a small scale before you say, I'm going to do all of my stuff that way. That's um, for sure. Because yeah, you can definitely get some stuff that's like, whoa, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's what I have very different tastes than the rest of my family does. I tend to eat more of the ferments than my mm-hmm. family does. So we don't make huge, huge batches like we used to. Right. Yep. Yeah, fermenting yeah. definitely. There's some people who just do not like fermented food. Right. I mean, definitely, yep. it's a taste to it that's different. Uh, yep. Like my kids don't like sauerkraut, but me and my wife, we love it. You know, it's like just yeah. Some people like it, some people don't. You know, it's definitely a acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But there is, um, you know, when we go back into the, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that, but um, your state might, but our state MSU extension actually offers online classes. Mm-hmm. They're like five or $10 for the whole, I mean, it's several weeks of classes for that price for what for doing for, for like food canning. preservation, like canning. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, and they offer, of course, all of the, they go through all of the safety and all of that stuff for you. So that's a really good place to go. Yeah. Um, they, uh, uh, there's a lot of like online courses and books mm-hmm. and things like that too. They're just available everywhere. And uh, you can definitely get your hands on a lot of that stuff for a really reasonable price. Some of it's not expensive at all. I mean, there's all kinds of right. r- relatively affordable classes. Now, like you are doing a local um, class. Yeah. There's probably things like that available in most, most big, bigger cities yeah. in your area. You just uh, ask around, ask around some farmers or, a lot of times farmers markets, there might be some of them farms that are doing classes like that uh, at the farmers right. market. They might be able to. Well, and you might you. even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's how you find out. There's lots of um, online Googling it close mm-hmm. by. Yeah, there's tons of courses online. I mean, I, I look at like I know that uh, like uh, Melissa K. Norris does one. Yes, uh, he does. I think. I, I don't want to start naming a whole bunch of people because there's a lot of them that do it. And I might right. be wrong about one of them, but there's a lot of them that have canning canning courses they do online. And yeah, it seems to be a big started. thing right now. And a lot yeah. of people are doing it. But yeah, yeah. And like I said, extensions do a lot of classes for this mm-hmm. stuff. I Our extension, even if it doesn't have a class, it has pages and pages of um, how to freeze, how to, you know, how to can, how to dry how to use your steam canner you know there's just pages and pages of it so and you know what if you're a person that can read something and apply it and some people are i'm like that i mean i can just get a book and i can apply it from a book you don't even need to take a class i mean you can safely do it by reading a book if you're if you comprehend 
you got good reader's comprehension. You can do that. Some people don't. That's some people are visual learners. They like are hands-on learners. They have to try it and do it. Some people can just take a book and do it. And, and uh, so it just depends on what kind of person you are, how much training you think you need to be safe about it. You know, uh, well, I I did take, I've taken some classes through the MSU extension Hmm. and they're zoom. You actually can interact with the teacher and ask questions. They're not just a a video. It's not just recorded. Yeah. And or the or they gave me access to the professor afterwards. I took a few farming classes and a food few food safety classes, and I had so it's. Uh, How did you get in touch for your, that charcuterie class that you took? Where did you get that? They're for? actually friends that have oh, okay. done it for okay. years. They did it for restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yep. yeah. So. Yeah. So you just get in that community, and you'll find people it is it's amazing once yeah. you start like you get into the homestead front porch group page or and then you you start getting in that you start these connections getting mm-hmm. to know people and somebody will go i mean just like today in another group that i help with um somebody said hey does anybody know where i can get local peaches yeah well several people oh such and such and such and such you know you just learn to You'll always find, you'll find all kinds of stuff. You'll find people like teaching you how to process chickens. You'll teach people. I mean, they're farmers. One thing I love about homesteaders is they love to share that knowledge. They love to, to help you um, put food in your freezer and, and, and eat healthy. And they just love to share that information. And a lot of them are, are doing, like I said, classes and writing books and doing courses and they're putting that stuff together for other people um, so that they can help other people get there. And I think that's great. Yeah. And I, I mean, like you said, I know that there's lots of classes. I locally, I've seen quite a few classes and I don't live in that big of a town. So I'm, I'm sure that you can find, you know, and, and the class that I, the class that I took, I actually had to go down and spend the night. Oh, really? Yeah, but I was willing to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah if you're willing to travel, there's, yeah, there's tons of people out there doing it. Right. But um, it was a blast. I got to meet people. I met people from Texas, even. Like, they came all the way from Texas. It's amazing how far people travel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, if you want to, I mean, it's a small price to pay, really, when you think about the rest of your right. life, knowing how to do something that, that you know, most people don't know how to do. That's kind of a small right. price to pay, really. Uh, you, you sent a whole bunch of books uh, and and things over. I I was kind of wanting to go through that little bit of a list here. Um, I put on there the, the ball complete book of home preserving. That's a great book. Everybody should have that. If you're doing any kind of canning Um, you, uh, I I, I linked up a couple of uh, articles I thought were helpful, but now you have the national centers for home canning um, MSU food preservation classes. So you said that's a zoom class. You said that that was the one that was a zoom class. it was a zoom class so yeah. yeah okay so that's something anybody could take it's anywhere. a scheduled class on us you pick a day at least when i was on it it's live it's not recorded. a couple of dates it was live but it was also recorded if you missed it but if okay. you were there live you could ask questions which is very nice to do yeah yeah and then you have some articles i think uh linked on here oh and the, speaking of candy this dried citrus peels that's a martha stewart recipe oh yeah if your kids or grandkids like gummies yeah. Oh my word. They are so good. It's just, you know, it's just the citrus peels. It's the peel and there's a process. I think you boil it and you dump the water and then you I was going to say, it. cause it would be bitter if you just. No, and then you bitter. boil it. It's like a syrup water. You boil it and then you dump. I can't remember the recipes there. It's a yeah. little bit longer process, but 
it is so yummy and it's good for you. And it's something you would normally what throw away because most people don't yeah. even do oh, yeah. I just I peel over the top of a trash can and just throw it all out. Right. Yeah, for sure. You can't or, even really compost them. Yeah, I should be taking it to the compost bin, but you know, busy. Right. <laughs> right. But they're good and the they're really, really good. In fact, we prefer them over candies. I know people who actually make their own pectin too by peeling off peels and drying the yes. apple peels and then they, they grind it and make their own pectin that way. I have heard of yeah. doing that, but I haven't heard That's... it doing that way. I have actually heard of them actually doing it the water way and making a liquid one, not a yeah. powdered one. Yeah, I mean, that's for a powder. Look it up. I don't know all the details. I've just heard about it. And I thought, well, I've never tried neat. that. I've seen yeah. the liquid one with apples. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some different ways you can do it. Um, uh, the root cellaring book. Yeah. Root cellaring book. You mentioned, you said that was one worth uh, checking. out. And I actually, I own, I own a lot of these books. I own the root cellaring one, the fermenting book I own as well. Okay. Um, the pectin and the Pomona pectin. Means. So that is a Pomona pectin is a pectin that you can use with even with stevia. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. regular pectin, you can't use it very well for that. But Pomona is like an alternative sugar. My, my, my keto ears use, peaked up there. I'll yeah, you can that. use stevia or honey or maple syrup. The recipes are all in the book, and um, it's just a different kind of pectin. Yep. The Excalibur food dehydrator recipe book. That's interesting. That's a separate book they sell, huh? That you can kind of get some ideas for the. Mine might have came with it, but okay. yeah, they do have that one. Yep. And, and that's, it's nice because, you know, certain things like freezing, if you don't blanch it and then you freeze it, it kind of is weird. So it kind of goes through the down, process yeah. for, you know, there's certain items that if you do a process, your product turns out a little bit better. And that's, yeah. what's, that's, what's nice about those books. We didn't even get into that whole freezing thing about blanching and why, why you would want right. to do that. Cause it, st- it slows down the process of the breaking yeah. down. And yep. yeah. Uh, but yeah. But they actually, I mean, you can, you can look that up online too. So yeah, yeah. we got your book on sh- charcuterie and then you got the Townsend's links that you put in there. And, yeah. Uh, I love that. You're going to enjoy that. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. that so I'll check in. I'll look into all that as well. It's fun. I'm surprised. Cause I don't think he's that far from you. Really? I'll definitely have to check it out. Then they actually built a log cabin. He cooks. I mean, he does. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun YouTube. I mean, it's all historical. Huh. Um, you know, that's when you look at some of the food that they ate then and you're just like, really? But he'll cook it. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, definitely I'll put all these links in the show notes and other people yeah. can check them out as well. And I asked uh, just for a question from the front porch this week. I'd ask the question on there um, about fall, your fall gardens, who's planning or has planted their fall gardens. And a few people jumped in and, and said a few things. I thought that'd be kind of fun just to see what people are planting in their fall gardens this year. And people were like, well, as soon as the 100 degree days slow down, Judy said, I'll right. be planting uh, carrots, beets, turnips, red potatoes in my raised beds. Uh, Cindy was planting some uh, bok choy, some broccoli, cabbage. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of broccoli, cabbage. A lot of people were mentioning that. Uh, Nikki, same thing, Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts would be tough. I, those take a, quite a while to grow, don't they? I would think mine have been in for quite a while. Yeah, so I think, I think those are like, aren't they like a hundred and 
10 yeah, days. That would be, a, that would be a tough one. I guess it depends on where you're at. I mean, if you're way down South, I guess you could, I don't know where they're at, but yeah, mine are really, I think they're only like this big still. Yeah. Those things grow like a tree trunk. I love <laughs> I them though. Oh yeah, my word. Yeah. Do I love them, but I have not yet been successful. In Def- definitely couldn't be planting those for a fall garden here in Indiana for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Leah, brassicas, carrots, beets. Yeah, that'd be that's a good right here. That's that a, is a good one. Beets. Um, a lot of a lot of beets, a lot of peas, a lot of broccoli, a lot of somebody. Nobody said turnips. Food. I'm considering doing some oh, turnips. Somebody did sue on down okay. below. Said turnips. So it's kale, collards, turnips, um, lots of peas. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of just keeping the greens going. Um, <laughs> you can do another round of beets. You can do turnips. And I will throw some more radishes in just because I like to feel like I'm successful. And that's one thing that makes you <laughs> feel that way. Cause you can't mess those up. Um, you know, uh, and I did plant, I already planted some, some broccoli and some bok choy. So I've got some of that. Oh, too. Okay. So try that again for the fall. And then I'm just excited about my little experiment with my cabbage to see some of that coming back with the little heads <laughs> for the fall. I'm going to try something for the first time and I'm going to plant a cover crop. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do cover crops. I have crops not on really tried that, and I really yeah. need to. I think it would just, be really beneficial, and I just haven't done it. It's got so. that, that crucial thing you got to remember: get it down before the seeds, before the seed heads come on. <laughs> right. Well, and for me here, our last frost is usually September thirtieth, so I think I have. I, I probably should sow it at the end of this month. I'm guessing. Are you thinking a, a legume to put nitrogen in the soil? Or are you thinking just a, a something for the to? to lay down on the soil to break down i was thinking something to lay down on like oats but maybe mm-hmm. i would do oats and clover mm-hmm. yeah I mean, we tried to that. yeah it just depends on what i can find when i go to the feed vetch vetch has been sure. a good one that i've tried a few times and like i said you just got to make sure that gets down Does it work? That, it's very good and and it, it's a it's one of my favorite cover crops but like i said it gets very if it gets really big, it starts getting all matty and kind of tied together. So you have to, it's a little harder to cut down, but it's really good when it breaks down on the soil. What do you um, use to cut yours down? I have a little hand sickle that I just go okay. up the bottom and I you just don't have a side. Yeah. I don't have a big, well, I do, but it's an old antique thing that ain't very sharp. Okay. So for the big double handed ones, yeah, <laughs> it, was yeah. kind of a, it was a hand me down. That I, I love the idea of one, it. but where I'm at, Right now, I mean, one swing and I'm hitting the neighbor's garage. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of got that too. But yeah, the hand side works really nice. It's a pretty cheap little tool. Okay. And I have one of those. I just, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I use. I, I, honestly, though, have... if you get it small enough, you could actually go in there with just like a weed eater and just chop it down. True. Just go in there with, you know, do it that way. Um, so you just cut it and let it lay flat. I just drop it down, <laughs> pile it, rake it kind of over the garden area, leave it there and just let it break down over the entire winter. Yes. Yeah, see, that's kind of, I, I think I need to do that this yeah. year. Cause you know, a lot of people will cover theirs with a tarp or whatever, and they'll kind of just keep their soil from getting weedy or whatever. If you just lay it with the cover crops, it's doing a couple things. It's doing that. It's shading the soil. It's getting all that microbe activity working, all that stuff's breaking down, putting the nutrients back in there. And if you do a legume, um, it's also putting nitrogen in the soil also. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bonuses to cover crops. I'm a big fan of them. I yeah, see her, I see your cat saying hi to us there. Oh, she is. I didn't realize she got. <laughs> I just there. now noticed. Yeah, she's white, so she kind of fits. Yeah, in yeah. I just I see a she movement. Usually, like, she that? usually joins my Zoom any Zoom meeting. She's got to see uh, <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> well, that's great. You're a superstar. 
<laughs> well, I, this was fun. I, I think we uh, we definitely gave people some ideas, I think, on just yeah. possibilities. Made me even think about a few things I've not done yet that I would I would be interested in trying. Same here. Uh, and now is the time to start thinking about that. This is the preservation got, time of year. Yep, got the stuff. I mean, you get kind of sick of doing the usual stuff and you want to kind of maybe try something else to kind of liven right. it up a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think the, I'm going to try a couple of uh, different things that we talked about that I haven't tried yet. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm going to definitely look into some but, of this um, Yeah. So, oh, there it is. Yeah, the Townsend's. I flipped over on me. Yeah. They have an Amazon page, too, with a yeah, bunch of fun I've different seen that, books. The books yeah. and things, yeah, that they suggested. Yeah. yeah, a lot of food preservation stuff in there. Yeah, I was looking at that. So yeah, I'll definitely go check that out. There's like I said, a few links in here I want to check out and I don't have all those books. I don't, I don't have that one on root cellaring, which would be really, uh, yeah. That, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to do anything with that, but even turning my basement, like I was telling you, there's a section of my yeah. basement I'd like to do something with, and it might have some good advice in there for that. I've actually seen that have seen people do that. And, um, it's a really good option if you're not using all the space for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll just wrap it up there then, and we'll uh, do this again next week. We'll find us another topic and uh, come up with something. Yeah. Great, and if but... anybody has topics they want, maybe they can put them in the home yep. uh, front porch. Yeah. Jump in there and ask any questions you want or uh, give suggestions for a podcast and uh, get the community rolling in there. We, uh, uh, I've noticed a lot more activity in there lately, and I'm glad to see that. And um, we've been getting a lot of new signups in there. So I'd like to see that group growing and getting active again. So, yes. Well, Rachel, it's been fun, and uh, we'll look forward yes. to doing this again next week. I'm and, getting interrupted by my animal squad here now. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. And everyone, uh, you have a great week, and happy homesteading, and God bless. <laughs>